Trek Companion, episode 45. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing DS9's seventh season episodes, Emperor's New Cloak, uh, Field of Fire, Chimera, and Bada Bing, Bada Bang. Let's talk Star Trek. The Emperor's New Cloak, Season 7, Episode 12, Production Number 562, Original Air Date, February 3rd, 1999, Written by Ira Stephen Bear and Hans Beimler, Directed by LeVar Burton, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Andrew J. Robinson as Garrick, Jeffrey Combs as Brunt, Max Gredanchik as Rom, J.G. Hersler as General Martok, Tiny Ron as Mehardu, Chase Masterson as Lita, Peter C. Antonio as Helmsman, and Wallace Shawn as Zek. Grand Negazek disappears while on a business trip to the Mirror Universe. Ezri's counterpart from that universe delivers word that Zek is a prisoner of the Evil Alliance and will be killed unless Quark can, conser- can, cons- can secure a cloaking device. Quark and Rom steal one from a Klingon vessel, then accompany Ezri back to the Mirror Universe to, tr- to retrieve Zek. But is Ezri telling the truth? I'm in the alternate universe. You're not my Dax. You're from over there. You're catching on. You see, I'm in a bit of trouble. I'm being held prisoner by the Alliance. I'm going to need you to help me regain my freedom. You know, this episode just so solidifies for me how much I really love Ezri. I mean, (laughs) she looks very nice in this episode. Uh Uh-huh. Um... Brian, I think you might dislike any Star Trek girl in leather. I don't know. No, have you guys noticed that her hair is like exactly like my wife's? Anyway, um, (laughs) yeah, that's that's the first thing I thought. Yeah, yeah, Uh, but no. If you think about, we had Tazia for six years, right? And and she was great. And the the thought that somebody somebody could not exactly replace her, but replace Dax and Dax's position on the show. That position, um, the 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 purpose, the 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 slot that she filled, that that character filled, yeah. you know, the the thought that somebody could fill that um, so well, but so differently, and 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 differently enough that it was, you know, uh, a worthwhile effort to explore this new direction. Um, I wouldn't have guessed that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know, time and again. There are just things. Every episode, there's something great with, with Ezri that makes me so glad that she's there. And I never feel like, I I never feel like, um, yeah. Well, she's you know she's uh, she's serving the need. You know she is she's <laughs> successfully replaced Jesse. I never think anything like that. I put it. I'll put it this way. I think this will uh, sum up more eloquently what I'm saying in a roundabout manner. If at the end of season six they had chosen to get rid of Farrell, just so that they could bring this new, you know, uh, character in to kind of spice things up, we given what they've done with Ezri, that actually would have been okay with me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I think is a fairly extreme statement that I can't imagine making, um, not just for any other character, but for. You know, I, I wouldn't have offered up the loss of any character, but it works. And it's She's, obviously a very rare thing in episodic television for this to be the case. I mean, it's almost impossible usually to adequately replace somebody or, or not to mention, make the show better 
by the addition of a character and subtraction of another. It almost just never works, especially at least with successful TV shows and so forth. Yeah. And, and I remember we had talked about um, – now, we're, obviously, we're doing uh, broadcast order today. So we're still going to do uh, – is it called uh, Penumbra? Um, during our next podcast, uh, even though Bada Bing Bada Bang was, was made after uh, doing broadcast order. But really, after this podcast, there's just one episode left, and then we're in the finale, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. Enter 10 episode finale, depending on how you count the final episode. Um, but I remember when the season started, we were, we had all talked about, well, there's 15 or 16 regular episodes, right? Maybe a dozen after you get rid of the first uh, few mm-hmm. episodes or whatever. And, and our memories were that maybe, maybe they spent a little bit too much time with the new hotness that was Ezra. <laughs> um I don't really feel that way now. We can we can pretty much say because we we know that the the last episode, the one we're going to discuss next time, is uh, the Bashir section thirty one episode, right? Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way now. I, I don't feel like like what do you, how do you guys feel about that? I guess we're getting a little bit off topic here for discussing Emperor's new cloak, but do you feel like uh, there was too much Esri now that we've kind of made it through the non you know the regular episodes? Um. Uh, Go ahead, Stephen. Oh, um, no, not not really. Although, as you said, I did kind of feel that way going into it because I remember there being a number of standalone episodes uh, focusing on her. But no, not in retrospect. And again, I think it's it was, it's very fortuitous this worked out for them because they had you have a character that comes in that that, that it works. You have a lot of good stories to tell. It also keeps you i think it kept the writers from rehashing old stuff that would be tiresome with the with the regular characters the ones that have been through the whole seven years and um so i, th- I, th- I think so i think it's it, it worked out in a lot of ways caesar what do you think too much Ezri or up till this episode no <laughs> we might have a different i might have a different answer in the in the next episode but um up until this point no i mean and it's it's it was a you know when they when they went this way they had to know it was a risk and um and it paid off for them um you know and we talk about Nicole and who plays Esri and um she's done a really good job I mean she's fit in really well she's she's poised enough that she's her own character sometimes you might I think part of the problem with you see might maybe with actors is when they come in and they kind of just are replacing somebody it doesn't work because maybe they just don't have the confidence to be who they are so it's a credit to her it's a credit to the writing mm-hmm. and the production that they were able to pull this off because i mean you, you know they had to be like uh, well this is a risk it could really backfire and so um they pulled it off and i think generally for the most part um she did the, it, it was a success well so we're going to be talking a lot about her for this episode and yes for field of fire the last kind of full-on esri episode um th- this some people can't consider this a Emperor's New Cloak, a Ferengi episode. I, I really don't. I mean, Esri is such a significant part of it, and it's a Mirror Universe episode. The Ferengi are an, a part of the show, but they're not. They're not. It's not one of those. It's not like Magnificent Ferengi or something. It's not something mm-hmm. I would put on the list of Ferengi shows. And, and and maybe that seems like semantics, but it's not in the sense that because it, it's partial. Because it isn't a f- real Ferengi episode, it does, you know, continue um, my opinion that the Ferengi basically have nothing to do in season seven. 
especially Cork, mm-hmm. um, which is still unfortunate. But this is the closest we get to a Frankie episode this season, maybe. Um, now, I think this episode is is fine. It, it's a satisfactory roundup, a kind of conclusion to the Mirror Universe storylines. You know, there's enough of a sense of closure um, with the Terrans winning and stuff. Um, but I don't think it's it's as good as the other Mirror Universe episodes. And probably all the episodes we're discussing today I don't think are as good as the better Season 7 episodes. The other thing I thought about today with the four episodes we're discussing today is before rewatching DS9, this entire series this time, I had said for years that Season 6 was my favorite, but I remembered Season 7 as being kind of a close second, and I wanted to get through Season 7 before I could say that. And I think at this point I can still say, yeah, it's still Season 6, because because like here we've got four episodes in a row that are good. These are all good, but none of them are, none of them are great. Um... To mm-hmm. me, uh, but anyway, so Emperor's New Cloak. It's it's a it's a solid Mirror Universe episode. It's good. I enjoy watching it. There's enough stuff in it that is worth watching. But compared to the other Mirror Universe episodes, which I think is the most appropriate comparison, um, it feels it feels a bit small. Well, I think I, I think maybe for me at least, it's like they didn't really do anything new. With the, yeah. I mean, nothing really changed. I mean, you know, the, the first several Mary Universe episodes, there's a lot of conflict and change and things are evolving. And I think yeah, for at least the last it, couple, it it's all like the same. really happening for the entire Mary Universe, right? Yeah. And yeah. then they didn't really change anything. It was kind of, at least for the last two, it's kind of just been the same. But, you know. I, you know what? I, I, I think why maybe some people call it more of a Ferengi episode is because you associate Ferengi with funny, and this is very different in a lot of ways from all the mirror, other Mirror Universe episodes because it's, it's pretty much just flat out comedy. I mean, I don't think, I don't know if they're trying to say anything. I don't know. They, they start, I don't believe they really do, but, um, but it's, it's just comical, and it's a different kind of funny than we've seen a lot of, too. And I think that's, um, I enjoy it in that respect. Yeah, I don't think that there's much meat to it or whatever, but I, I enjoy watching it. Maybe that's it. what holds it back for me, is because so much of the Mirror Universe stuff was clever and, and serious in a way. Yeah. You know, well, you is- think way back to the very first one, crossover, mm-hmm. you know, and there was it has some interesting things to say about yeah. uh, minorities, you know, or um, persecuted mm-hmm. people, or uh, the episode where um, uh, Benjamin and Jake actually got some closure with closure with mm-hmm. uh, with Jennifer, you know, stuff like that. Um, they had a really good reason for going to the Mirror Universe, so maybe um, maybe here well, we don't get that so much. Well, I mean, it's kind of weird. They, they. I mean, it, I agree with Steve. It is for all the mirror units. It is a comical version of the mirror universe, but it still tries to be. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think Brunt, <laughs> the mirror universe Brunt, thought it was too funny. Um, but um, yeah, and then you know, there's the whole. It's hilarious. I love the scene at the end. It's hilarious, but it didn't really fit the universe with Garrick and the. It's easy when he's about to. You know, when he wants to um, inject the. You know, Quark and everybody there. Mm-hmm. It's it's disturbingly funny, all in one. And um, yeah, yeah, they try I mean, to mix it, and I don't know if it worked exactly as they'd hoped. 
Yeah, I, yeah. Again, I'm I'm in agreement that it's not great or anything, but I, I I and I see what you're saying. It's like a fine episode, but I think it's it is it is funny, and I'm glad it exists because it, it it's kind of a unique. It's like a comical commentary on something they created. It's like let's let's look at the mirror universe and everything that's a little funny about it. Like the most yeah. obvious is Rom talking about how everything opposite, but it's not, and it's something it like make okay, sense. this doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And then you uh, on top of that, you have things like extreme things like Brunt being he's Jeffrey Combs and that is so funny when it's because he's so nice it's like the nicest person on the planet you know and, yeah. you know, that's, and that's what's so funny you know it. he's gonna die too like, yeah, yeah. and then it, he's nice and he's a fringy in the Mary universe yeah yeah and then, and then, of course, at the end of the female, female thing, you know, it's it, they, it's it's kind of like, oh, let, let's t- touch all these kind of stereotype things that we see in the mirror universe and kind of twist them. And I think that's of one of the things way. that does that you know? turns me off just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, hey, I'm a red blooded American guy. <laughs> of course, it's a little bit titillating, but that's you know that's not my brain that's titillated. My brain no. says this is cheap and easy and base and. I expect a little bit more out of them. I would, have, I, I would have liked them to see them throw Quark a bone. I mean, you know, the guy might be, you know, he, he really wears – when he wears his heart on his sleeve, he really wears it on his sleeve. And, you know, mm-hmm. and Quark probably wants to fall in love more – now that Odo's fallen in love, now it's fallen – Quark probably wants to fall in love more than anybody else since Odo. Yeah, they could so, have, I mean, they, they, and, you know, they could have – they could have they thrown already him a got bone. The, the two girls, right? They get they had they had the intendant and 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 Dax. Well, okay, Tegan, whatever. Uh, they had them earlier. Instead, of at the end, she could have kissed. Um, yeah, because we know it's he's not going to get Esri. Yeah, of course, you know. But uh, it's I was pulling for my man Corey, but he did, it didn't end up for him. Um, I don't know, uh, yeah. Adam. What was your favorite scene in this episode? You you like that Garrick stuff? Yeah, I mean that's hilarious. Um, I I'm amused by the um, the little um, cork with the little shrine, you know, when he's praying to his god and putting. Oh yeah, like, that's funny. And then yeah. he's praying, asking for a chance with Ezri, of course, and then really attractive Ezri comes in and asks him where the bedroom is. Yeah, it's a it's a fun scene. He's just he's just keeps trying to make it happen, even though that she's like, "What are you talking about?" But again, that's another thing though that that's in my my list of cork doesn't get to do anything this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if he had if he kissed her at the end of that, sh- that I, at the end of the entire season, I would look back and I would say, "Well, there was that episode where Cork kissed the Mirror Universe Ezri." Yeah, <laughs> I can't even say that. You know, I couldn't even give him that. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, um, I don't have a lot to say on this one, though. I didn't even I didn't write a lot down when I watched it. Uh, I certainly don't have an opinion on what it's about. Yeah, I, I have nothing yeah. on that. Yeah, I got nothing for what it's about, and unfortunately, um, I don't know. I mean, I could, we could do our, you know, make something up, which is never good. But I, I moderately enjoyed the the scene in the brig when uh, Cork tells Ezri, you know, when your Nagus gets in trouble, you're supposed to do something about it. And she says, "Why?" And he says, "I don't know." I mean, it was it was funny, and <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's something about loyalty. duty or loyalty or family. But it's a real stretch. Well, um, well, you could say that. I don't think that's too, too far to go out of line because I think um, the Nagus is more than just a Nagus for Quark. He's kind of he's like a father figure for him. I mean, if you you know you yeah. know he's dating his mother, it's he's a father figure, and he you know in his own way, he I think he loves this Nagus and he wants to help him. So in a, in a it, to me, yeah, I mean, we could say I don't think we just have to say okay, it's about loyalty. It it is. 
maybe kind of weakly about loyalty, but sure. Well, like I said, I, I'm glad that they, um, I'm glad they wrapped up a bit of the storyline you know, in the mirror universe. Maybe it's just that every dang time they killed off so many people in the mirror universe, there wasn't much left to do. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you think they should, but do you think they should have killed off Kiro's character? Yeah, I, I kind of do. I think so. I think that the intendant probably should have died and uh, certainly, obviously deserved it. Um, but I, maybe it would have given us even more of a, a set of, a, of a reason to go, right? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. but, because she's done a lot. Of, I mean, she's basically the Ducat of the Mirror Universe. You think yeah. about it, so. <laughs> you think they should have killed her, Steve? Yeah, I do think it would have added some weight to it, sure. And you know it's the end of it, so, yeah. What they could have done is had, like, <clears throat> Esri could have tackled her in a room with, I don't know, mud or something. <laughs> yeah, and she drowns in the mud. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moving on. Six degrees for the Emperor's new cloak. Uh, okay, so we're nearing the end of the series, so it's getting... Uh, difficult you know to do our traditional six degrees where you ask about an actor that played a different role in star trek mm-hmm. uh, because at this point there just aren't a lot of guest stars because they're wrapping up all the storylines so we're gonna have some generic trivia again a little bit although we got a little bit of six degrees so um adam you go on first or second i'll go first this is the final ds9 mirror universe episode not counting season six's resurrection that doesn't actually take place in the mirror universe. It just has character. It has their characters in our universe. Not counting that episode. So how many DS9 mirror universe episodes are there that take place in the mirror universe? Um, now you're not even going to give us multiple choice on the, I'm going to say five. Uh, no, Steve, uh, six, no, four, actually. Wow. Hmm, seems like more than that. Crossover yeah. through the looking gla- glass, shattered mirror, and then Emperor's new cloak. Now there's resurrection if you count that. You know, like I said, that's um, Burial, yeah. uh, the yeah. intent of our universe. But right, right. it's debatable. Not hmm. counting that. There's just four. Okay. All right, uh-huh. uh, Steve. Yes. This is a matching game. Okay. <laughs> Match the mirror Ferengi with the mirror episode in which he died. Hmm. So crossover through the looking glass. Shattered Mirror and Emperor's New Cloak, and you've got Nog, Cork, Brunt, and Rom. Can I just okay. say the order in which they die so I don't have to say the episode names? I don't do or do my best doing that. So for the first episode's crossover? Mm-hmm. Who's that? Cork. Uh, okay, Through the Looking Glass, the second Frankie to die. Um, Rom. Correct. And Shattered Mirror, the third Frankie to die. Nog. And today's Brunt. Correct. You got the order correct. They're very good. Poor mirror. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't do too well in the mirror universe. No. Oh, so Steve has one. Field of Fire, Season 7, Episode 13, Production Number 563, Original Air Date, February 10th, 1999, Written by Robert Hewitt Wolf, Directed by Tony Dow, Music Composed by Gregory Daryl Smith, Guest Cast Include Art Chudabala as Ilario, Marty Rackham as Chulak, and Lee J. McCloskey as Duran. A young lieutenant named Ilario is found dead in his quarters. An investigation reveals he was shot by a TR-116 rifle, a weapon developed but never mass-produced by Starfleet. 
Meanwhile, Ezri confronts one of Dax's previous incarnations, Duran, a self-professed murderer. He urges Ezri to channel his disturbing memories and enable him to assist her in apprehending Alario's killer. I can help. I know how he thinks. We can catch him, Ezri, and we together. And then we'll make him pay. <laughs> Adam, I think you have a strong opinion about this episode, so I'm going to let you start us off. Uh, I don't know if it's really strong. I just didn't really like it. Um, it um, I'll go through it. it I, I just, I, I didn't really need to see Duran again, and I don't really like the way they did it here. I kind of felt the whole, you know, him walking around with her. You know, I know it's all in her mind, but it was a little hokey for me. And then it really wraps up really fast, and it's all nice and neat. And it's just wasn't to me. It wasn't very imaginative, and I don't think it's. Uh, it's not a slight against um, Esri Dax, her character, or the actor. I just didn't find that the episode was very well written or very well thought out. I think our listeners may recall that earlier during this season, I talked about remembering this episode fondly, and I was hoping it would be as good as I remembered. I was a little worried maybe it wasn't, especially after your comments. And um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't quite what I remembered. Um, I think because when I fir- when it first aired, I first saw it, I was really enamored with. Yeah, you know, the first act or so. The, the mystery story is great. Like, that weapon is awesome. That yeah. Mm-hmm. I would so, agree with you there. Yeah. And to have this this um, projectile weapon in the Star Trek universe, and for the, they're baffled about it, and the no powder burns, and how did, and, but it was only fired from a few inches away or a few centimeters away. That whole thing is really cool. Um, and I still like that a lot. Um, but on repeated viewings, that doesn't hold you up through the whole episode. Um and unfortunately, they leave that so quickly, uh, and then we're just doing the Trill Duran stuff. And yeah, and that's that's kind of um, the parts of it that could be interesting. We've seen before. We've done it before. Um, if they had just left it as it's a mystery story that has to be solved by, you know, the therapist instead of Odo. Mm. Or maybe Odo teaming up with Esri, I don't know. But I think that would have been more interesting. I think the setup is really cool. But yeah, I would agree. Off, it, it just comes off as a bit... Um, I don't know, there's about 10 minutes in there that I just, I'm ready for it to you know, skip to, toward the end. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, you know, they, they, put, they talk about as why... They talk about... I, what I was confused about, so Dax was the first one to realize who Duran was, and then they throw, um, oh my gosh, I forgot his name, the, pre, the host before Dax, um, I mean, Jadzir, um, um, Curzon. I, you know, I thought um, Dax was, I mean, I thought Jadzir was the first to realize who um, um, Duran was, and so they throw Curzon into this, so I kind of had a little bit of problem with, it just, it just took me, that took me out of it, and then that the actor that they used to play Duran is a lot older than the previous I mean, I don't have a problem with the recasting, but this guy's like older, really old compared to the, the last person who played Duran. So that threw me mm. off a little bit. And I don't know. I'll, I won't say anymore. I'll let Steve you can jump in, Steve. So let's see what uh, you can say. No, it's a jump I, dive. I, <laughs> I, I liked it fine. I didn't think it was great. I, um, I think these one, the tr- trill natured ones are, are interesting when, you know, exploring that kind of thing. But, but I do agree that it, it's, 
maybe could have used a B story. I don't know what the B story would have been about, but uh, maybe that would have kept it from same and like we're just talking over and over again about the same stuff, you know. But um, I think it was interesting. I think I always thought it was kind of exciting. I thought it was a suspenseful kind of thing, you know. I thought it was, that's it's fun. It's fun. Not yeah, a lot know, of depth. I said there's like ten minutes, <clears throat> maybe minutes thirty to forty somewhere around in there. Give or take a couple minutes where I'm I'm starting to tune out, but it kind of picks back up. Uh, when she suspects a Vulcan, mm-hmm. you know, and the idea of a Vulcan serial killer, mm-hmm. that's really cool. I mean, that's really interesting. Um, and then when she's kind of looking through the the bulkheads with the weapon, and then she sees him looking her up, that's all very exciting and really cool. I think they mm-hmm. could have made it even more exciting. And, and cool. Yeah, if they would have used more of that, where they she she had suspects that she was, I mean, but they kind of you know they spent a lot of where she she know she's about to stab somebody, you know this this guy yeah. with, <laughs> a, with a butter knife. She's going to stab somebody with a butter knife. I mean, they went they did they had all that little middle area that. I yeah. I kind of I agree with you, Brian. It, it, this episode was good, and then it really went off track for me. And then, but it did. The, it, end, the uh, end wraps up too fast. I mean, it's kind of hokey. The, the one they like one Vulcan comes in, and that that's him, and it ends up being him. Yeah, that yeah, that is also a bit of a stretch. But I do like once she's once she's sitting there and she's looking for him. She sees him looking her up on on his uh, computer, and then he goes to get the weapon, and then she has to fire. Then she. Goes, I, I like all of that. I think that's good. Sure. I'm writing wise, I definitely like it. I think it could have probably been made to be a little bit more exciting, but it's good. Um, and you know, from there, from there, um, it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, but even when she's saying about um, Duran, you know, you're a part of me now, and I'm gonna have to be careful. Again, I we've we've been through that before. Mm-hmm. You know, Jackson. Mm-hmm through that before so we've been through that before and she's been through that before so she i don't know it, it did feel like a well yeah they they kind of gave the implication that dax didn't resolve it and i kind of felt like she did yeah um, uh well while we're talking about the end while i'm bringing it up um the uh, vulcan says when she asks him why because logic dictated it why, why did he say that is he just um is he just nutty that's <laughs> kind of what I assumed because it yeah. don't say anything else, you know. But uh, to him, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe there's something to say about you know, you can you can uh, find a reason for anything. I mean, you know, one's internal logic can be pretty skewed, you know. Yeah. I, I will say this, Brian, about this. I think this episode kind of because I didn't like it when it first came out either, and I obviously still don't. And I think it kind of tainted me on Ezra Dax over the years and it's been nice to kind of rewatch these and actually take this episode and just kind of throw it, throw it out of the equation of her character. And, um, and I, like I said, uh, other than this episode, I mean, she's really great. And, um, I mean, everybody gets, a, every, every character in this series has had a flop episode at least once. So. Well, even here, I mean, certainly her performance is fine. It's just the, yeah. the writing isn't very good and, and maybe we don't like Joran, but, but Nikki's good. Yeah. So, like I said, I mean, I, I think it, this episode tainted me a little bit over the years, and I'm kind of, you know, that's why we're we're doing this to kind of kind of reexamine what we thought and what we think now. Mm-hmm. That weapon is so cool. Like, why wouldn't just everybody who ever use that <laughs> use that weapon? <laughs> you know, like it go siege of AR five five eight. You're sitting there twenty miles away. Who cares? <laughs> That's nothing for a beam radius. <laughs> yeah, they have to come up with some nonsensical reason why they yeah. did, stopped working on it, you know. Right? 
keep looking through the mountain, keep going forward. Oh, <laughs> I'm just going to start picking them off. Doop. Well, what's funny to me is like they basically, they have it at their disposal. All they have to do is replicate it. It's not like it has to even be built. I mean, they have yeah, the schematics right there out. on file. Yeah, he, yeah, he, worked, he made one up, you <laughs> yeah. know, basically. Yeah. You know, there might be some reason, I, I could see some reason that you couldn't replicate an actual like phaser or something, something that has some kind of energy. Th- but this, it, it's all mechanical, right? Yeah, yeah, you just put it together. Yeah, you could re- replicate this, sure. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I gathered with that. Well, who was it, the first suspect that Ezri almost stabbed with the butter knife? It wasn't. Didn't he? Well, did he just replicate the plans, or did he actually replicate the weapon? I think that he replicated the actual uh, weapon because he has a weapon collection. So yeah, it can't be that hard. Yeah, it's. I think this is one of these categories of tech that we see sometimes in this trek where it's just it's just too much of a game changer, and they have to kind of ignore it. You know, it's like okay, that that was fun, and then they move on to the next episode. We don't hear about it anymore because it's just too big a deal. It's too cool. Yeah. You know, it's it'd be too easy to be picking off. Like, uh, is it next year? It's uh, the genesis of hand rifles. Yeah, <laughs> See, that's a better example than what I was just going to say. But uh, we can no longer travel at warp in any of these sectors of space. <laughs> we never really hear anything about that yeah. again. Yeah, um, don't go there there in space anymore. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because we're not going to spend ten weeks going from planet to planet. Anyway, uh, what's this episode about, Steve? Well, like you said, we've we've dealt with this before, but I guess the most obvious thing is the whole notion of, um, you know, sometimes we we, uh, we have parts of ourselves we may not be proud of or not like to access, but it can help us through certain situations. Yeah, and, and I really, th- if I could, I could cut that out what you just said, and I could definitely put that exact thing on another episode that at the time seemed awfully specific. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you replicate that, it's. Um, Eh, not so strong. Uh, Adam, what's it about? Well, I guess Esri is more a stronger individual person now after this episode, so I'll just say that's what it's about. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, you know, our, the standards of our show say that if we don't have a clear answer for what it's about, the show doesn't hold up quite as well. And um, the last episode and this episode, I think, are the two episodes today that probably don't probably don't hold up quite as well for me uh, the next one's really good but the next one's good and the one after that is solid uh but but even even these two i really you know if these were season one or two episodes they'd be good right so they're just yeah. they, that problem we've discussed before about being in season seven but anyway okay moving on six degrees for field of fire i believe steve you have one Mm-hmm. Um, so you're in the lead. Do you want to go first or second? I'll go first. Lee J. McCloskey plays Duran Dax, the character trying to get Esri in touch with her inner murderer. <laughs> in Voyager's third season, he played Tyrion in the episode Warlord. Into which member of Voyager's crew does Tyrion transfer his consciousness when his old body dies? Oh, yes, I do recall that one. Um, that would be Kess. All right, correct. Uh, Adam? Yep, yep. The, last time, the last time we saw Duran was during the episode Facets, in which various members of the DS9 crew temporarily play host to Dax's previous person. Which crew member found themselves as Duran's host for a time? That would be Captain Sisko. You are correct. Two to one. Oh. Oh. 
Mira, Season 7, Episode 14, Production Number 564. Original air date, February 17th, 1999. Written by Renee Echeverria, directed by Steve Posey, music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Garmin Hertzler as Laz, John Eric Bentley as Klingon, and Joel Goodness as Deputy. Oda returns from a conference with an unexpected guest, a changeling who tracked and boarded his runabout. Odo recognizes him as one of the hundred shapeshifters who, like him, were sent out as infants into the galaxy to learn about other species. The changeling known as Laz queries Odo about their unique species, which Laz has never had any contact with since his infancy. Odo shows Laz the link, and upon this, Laz wants Odo to come with him to find the other hundred. So you deny your true nature in order to fit in. You're reading too much into it. Before I came here, when was the last time you assumed another form? You can't even remember. You've been pretending to be a humanoid for so long, it doesn't even occur to you that you can be anything else. That's not true. I've just been involved with other things. It's not very often you can watch an episode and take the note, Fog kills Klingon. (laughs) (laughs) Steve. What do you think of this one? Um, yeah, I, I like it overall. It's it's interesting. Um, it, yeah, it, it's 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 very different because it's um, kind of where it ends up being something about Odo and Kira at the beginning. You don't you don't get that vibe or something, you know. So it, it's it kind of it kind of evolves over the course of it. I um, as far as scenes, something I just made a note of how funny it was. It really cracks me up when they're talking about. Um, I don't know what they said about something about and I don't know how to do with animals and quark or the steak or I don't or something like that right in the middle of their conversation when they're eating and and I think maybe Laz has a problem with eating flesh or something uh, yeah. like that <laughs> it's or steak or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a weird episode in that it it's um I mean it's good. This is a good episode, but it's weird in that it's it's about Odo and Kira but it has a guest star. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it has any problems, I think that they stem from those two things kind of fighting each other just a little bit here and there. Um, but this is a good episode, and there there are a couple of scenes I think that 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 are that make it good for me. Um, one, I'll just say that at the end, whenever you know, um, Odo turns into the big thing of light, and I don't know. If it's a glowing thing, gas, yeah, the glowing thing that surrounds Kira. That I mean, it's it's actually a pretty beautiful little moment. Um, I don't feel necessarily like Kira has evolved because I think she already, you know, if if she did something wrong, it was it was making not not making it clear to Odo that she wanted him to be himself. But I think she, that's that's always where she was. Just oh. Odo has, you know, was self-conscious about his forms and and had his own issues. Um, so I like that moment, but it's I think it's a beautiful little moment, but it's not as revelatory to me as my favorite scene in this episode, um, which is I don't know maybe it's halfway into the episode. Uh, I think it's, um, I think it's right after uh, loss, loss. Uh, does not in, uh, come off very well to Odo's friends at Quark's. Right. Uh, and they're having that argument. And um, Loss says, 
you know, you deny your true nature in order to fit in. When was the last time you assumed another form? And uh, that kind of takes Otto aback, but it's clear that it's that he hasn't. And mm-hmm. even when you're watching it, you see that scene, and, and I was like conscious. I almost stepped out. Uh, I, I, be remind, I was reminded that I'm a Star Trek viewer, you know, and I was like, yeah, I mean, we saw like seasons ago when he first visited um, the Dominion homeworld and he experimented being these other forms or, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen in various utopias where like uh, some alternate version of the future hundreds of years go by and, and Odo spends a hundred years as a tree. You know, it's not the only reason he is a humanoid um, is to blend in, but he's doing it. He's done it so much that not only has he forgotten his true nature, me, the, the person that watches the show has forgotten his character's true nature. You know, he's Odo. He is, I think of him as the guy that looks like Rene Bergenois with the mask. (laughs) You know, but that's not who Odo is. That is not who he is. Um, And when Loss says that, it's, it actually does, it shakes Odo a bit and it it shakes me. And I I think that's, that's how it's so effective. You know, it's this incredible reminder of, of just how different Odo is and how these are not his people. You know, we could go, you could visit some strange country and not even speak the language, but you'd still, you'd be around other humans, mm-hmm. you know? We don't have any concept. I mean, this is such a foreign thing for him. Um, and I think that scene really works. And, and that scene serves the purpose of the entire episode, which is to remind us of just how different Odo is. And so, that, and it, it puts me in this remarkable position of, despite the fact that you know, for the most part, I think of the Dominion as bad guys killing lots of people in this big war. Um, still, I understand how Odo would want to go home to them, even knowing that about them. You know, mm-hmm. because it's such a, it's we are so completely different. You know, and the idea that he's still only on the station for Kira. That that's that's. That's love, and that really works. Um, and, you know, we talked about two other episodes before talking about this episode today. And we talked about general character things, or, you know, Ezri getting to this position or whatever. Here, the fact that I'm, I'm talking about um, Odo's place in this entire world... Um, in a meaningful way. And this episode made me think about that. And, and it, this episode made me understand how different he is. Well, you know what? That's the difference between a good episode and an okay episode. Mm-hmm. You know, those first two episodes were okay. This episode got my brain working and it made me think about what it's about. And it made me understand Odo in a new way. Um, and that's why this episode is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think where the last episode failed, um, this one worked. Um, to me, we see a lot of the same things that we, I mean, not that we've seen, we see a lot of the same things in this episode that we've seen with Odo, but in a new way. I mean, we've seen his kind try to pull him back in. We see that in this episode. We see a little bit of a, you know, the conflict that we've seen with Odo, Odo you know, he has this inner conflict. And like you said, we haven't seen that with Odo since he's, since he's become involved with Kira. 
that's all that's all his character's really been and so what i enjoyed about this this episode is that you see this conflict that that really hasn't been resolved in odo it never it never has because i mean how could it and whereas the last episode i felt uh, the that issue was resolved with Duran. This one, you, you, how how could it be? This because they explain it so well, and they said, "But this is what he is. This is who he is," and you know they're setting us up probably you know for the end, you know when he has to return. But um, it, it's really great. And then you, the the scene at the end, you thought was I kind of thought that was their moment that uh, Morph and Dax had in um, Change of Heart. When he when he returns, I mean, you know, because the thing that Kira did, she she was going to let him go because mm-hmm. she realized that he can't just be what he is. He's so much more, and um, she's like, go and and find yourself. And um, and you know, like I said, I think we saw that with Worf and Dax in the last season, and then this was their moment. And the end scene is very beautiful and touching, and that's probably the closest that she'll ever come to being a part of the link. You know, can you imagine having your wife or girlfriend? You know be like energy around you. So, I mean, it was a very touching moment and I, I would agree with you about the end. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy. You see, you look at, I can imagine writing that down. It's one of those things where realizing it is a heck of a lot harder than, than coming up with the idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It works and it's touching. You know? It's another one of those things where could you imagine just seeing the raw footage <laughs> her just kind of like, oh. yeah, good luck. Yeah. 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 Well, that's why she gets paid the big bucks to act. We can't all act, right? Or act well. Mm. Well, I think I think it's I think what's so interesting about this is the complexity involved because and and that's really when when this show is at its best is is when it's about something and when it's and when it really makes you ponder the situation like what we're talking about here is you know Odo essentially hasn't been able to be himself in a way you know he may be in a way we're saying he's just denying who he is at the same time in this relationship with Kira he finds a peace you know he's happy there so that that's that's a little bit of a conflict you know what's the right thing you know you know, we everyone talk throws around words like um, when what makes one happy, what makes one find their place. Well, what, here's a situation that there's no clear cut answer, right? Because he, he's clearly happy with Kira, she's happy with him. There is a peace there, right? But we're also arguing that he's denying something of himself. He's not himself, you know. Um, it's interesting. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's nice. To see, go ahead, Brian. Limited. You're always going to be limited, which is exactly what Loss says to Odo. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're always going to limit yourself. There's only, only going to be so far you can go. You're only going to be able to become so happy, you know. But I don't think at the, in the end it really wasn't about happiness. It was about love. He, you know, he realized. I think he kind of came to a a center in himself about who he was. He really loved Kira, and you could that end scene there where he's talking to Lars in the caves. <laughs> Lars never experienced love. You you know he never experienced that kind of deep emotional love that Odo had. And I think Odo, I think that's the first time that he really realized what love was. I mean, what it really well, was. Does it's, it affect this episode? Knowing that, still in the end. You know, this episode is the beginning of Odo's choice to return to his people. Mm-hmm. And it's this very, this love, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's what he was, I mean, if you think about it, the hundred were sent out to experience things, other life forms experience. And so, you know, if Odo kind of completes his mission. He he does exactly what he's supposed to do. I mean, you know, he. I mean, and what better, what better thing to experience and bring back to 
uh, people that don't know what love is. I mean, so it's actually kind of beautiful in, in a way in the end. I mean, it's kind of like what we should all learn to experience is true, deep, meaningful love. And it's not easy and it's not always perfect and it's not always happy, but he's obviously clearly gotten it and he, and he understands it and he feels it. Um, I don't have anything to add to that. Do you, Steve? No, no. Well, then let's do six degrees for Kimira. Uh, what's our score? Adam has one, Steve has two? Yep, yeah, yep. I believe so. Um, Adam. J.G. Hertzler plays Laz. Uh, here he is credited as Garmin Hertzler, though we normally see him credited as J.G. Hertzler when he plays Martok. So his middle name is Garmin. What's his first name? What's the J in the J.G.? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of an obscure question, I suppose. <laughs> Steve? Um, I know I've heard this before, but I'm not sure. Is it John? You are correct. It's, it's John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the more common J names. <laughs> Maybe it's John. Yeah, it's <laughs> Three to one. Um, in addition to Martok, Cursor played the captain of Cisco's vessel, the Saratoga, during the Battle of Wolf 359 for DS9's pilot episode. Steve, what species was the captain of the Saratoga? Oh, yeah. Uh, was he a Vulcan? You are correct. He was a Vulcan. Look at him run away with it today. At least I didn't get shut out. <laughs> that, is that four to two? Four to one? Four to one. Oh, my God. All right. Let's, let's go and do our last episode. Bada Bing, Bada Bang. Season 7, Episode 15. Production number 566. Original air date, February 24th, 1999. Written by Iris Stephen Bear and Hans Beimler. Directed by Mike Beecher. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Penny Johnson as Cassidy Yates. Mark Lawrence as Mr. Zemo, Mike Starr as Tony Chichi, Robert Miano as Frankie Eyes, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Bobby Riley as Countman, Chip Mayer as Guard, James Wellingen as Al, Andrea Robinson as Blonde, Sammy Miko as Croupier, Jacqueline Case, Kelly Cooper, Michelle Johnston, Michelle Rudy, and Kelly Sheeran as The Dancers, and James Darren as Vic Fontaine. While relaxing in Vic's Las Vegas Hollow Suite Lounge, O'Brien and Bashir are surprised by the arrival of mobster Frankie Eyes, who announces that he's bought Vic's hotel. Frankie fires Vic, and soon after, the crew learn that Frankie was written into the Hollow Suite program by Vic's designer to be a jack-in-the-box. Upset by Frankie's treatment of Vic, the crew decides it must get rid of the program Frankie. But to accomplish this task, they realize he must be eliminated in the way that the period-specific to Fontaine's 1962 era. His surprise is buried deep in the Holosuite program. Yeah, it's meant to shake things up, you know, make things interesting. I wasn't bored, were you? Well, not at all. I liked Vix the way it was. Well, according to Felix, if we get rid of Frankie Eyes, everything resets back to the way it was. Well, that's good to know. So how do we get rid of Frankie Eyes? No, that's up to us. But Felix did warn me the program is period-specific. I'm curious, guys, um, how did this episode compare to your memory of it? Well, for for me, um, I don't think it's much different. I remember when I first saw it, I didn't think it was like the greatest thing, but I certainly enjoyed it, and it was a lot of fun. And I really, I really had the same vibe on the on this viewing as well. I enjoyed watching it, but you know, it wasn't some a big great episode. It was just was a lot of fun. That was that was my feel. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. It was it was fun to see the cast come together like they did. I mean, 
for Vic and this, and, you know, it was a fun Hollow Suite episode. I think, um, I think the Hollow Suite episodes have come a long way where I kind of found most of the, um, next gen Hollow Suite pro episodes a little hokey, even well, though the, the, the problem ahead. was always that they, they did that. They had to do that. Uh, the safeties are offline and <laughs> yeah. if you don't solve the problem in 10 minutes, then we're all going to die whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it was always, and after a while, my God, they, they did that over and over. E- even uh, Voyager uh, would do that. Um, and that got really old and I'm, I am pretty sick of that. Um, <laughs> in this episode, that's not the case at all. You know, it's um, part of the program. Just, yeah. It's just, it, the only, the only person in jeopardy is, um, is Vic, Vic of course, mm-hmm. but he's a holographic character. Um, and that's one of the things I actually like about it. I'm, I'm sure there's some people that maybe didn't care for that, but I, I like that um, it's just these characters in there. And, and I remember reading something Ira Bear said about, he thought of it as uh, the way we as Star Trek fans um, have come to care about these characters in this show that aren't real. Uh, the Star Trek crew has come to care about uh, Vic, the you know, holographic character that isn't real. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why they go to help him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I like yeah. that. That's kind of sweet. And it's, weird that, it's weird to me that Vic gets pushed off stage at the beginning from the, with, with the Back to the Future song. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else think that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's under the sea dance and they're going to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Caesar? Um... Yeah, I mean, if you think about, I mean, usually like in a next gen episode, you know, there was the the hollow suite was malfunctioning, like we said, and the safeties were off, and everybody was in danger. This episode, it, the the hollow suite program was operating exactly how it was supposed to operate. This is how it was written, you know. They had the mm-hmm. the jack in the box, you know, and it's, <clears throat> you know, and if you think about, you know, all of you know everybody who's a Star Trek fan would love to visit a hollow suite because it'd be the ultimate experience to. Be on the bridge of the Enterprise is what I think I about. But if any of us could visit a Hollow Suite, <laughs> we would do what yeah. to them is reality. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? The so second thing I would do would be go to the Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, uh, <laughs> I think you could get a little more creative, Steve. Vulcan love slave first. <laughs> kind of combine those things. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's really it's a fun game and it's a, it's a, like an adventure and we see that a lot in Deep, Deep Space Nine, especially with. Um, Dr. Bashir, you know, he has his little adventures, and that's probably that's that would be what a Hollow Suite would be if they ever developed one. It would be a place to go. It would be a place for gamers who play, you yeah. know, PlayStation and you know, Warcraft and all that stuff. <laughs> I always thought it was interesting that um, in this Star Trek universe, uh, nobody watches movies. You know, now yes, in Enterprise they had their they had movie nights. They they did watch movies, not really the way old movies like. <laughs> It's not like there's a TV, like a, a, a screen that's only purpose is for watching movies in every room, mm-hmm. even on Enterprise. But basically, um, original series, next gen, DS9, Voyager, they do not watch. Um, well, I would disagree about Voyager. They watched well, some, it, There was a little bit, not a lot. I mean, you know, I think, didn't Paris have a TV at one point? An old TV? And- yeah, but, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Normally, what they would do is interact in. The holographic programs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always think about that scene in uh, Generations when um, Picard is crying about his nephew Renee after he dies, and says, oh, I th- "I'm thinking about all the things in life that he's not going to experience, like reading books and listening to music." And there's no <laughs> watching great movies in that. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm mm-hmm. kind of going. But my point is, um, this the, movies have become 
interactive narrative in the future. They have become holodecks. You know, so kind of movies and games combine. And I do think that's probably where it's headed. But anyway, we're probably getting off track here a bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I tell you, I think everybody would agree with me. The coolest shot in this episode, the shot that's so cool that it makes the entire episode surrounding it worth watching for that one shot is Cisco and the entire crew in that slightly slow-mo shot all in there. Mm-hmm late 50s, early 60s, Vegas outfit attire coming around the corner as they're about to enter Quark's. It's, and there's some like big band music playing. And it, it's, it's a wonderful moment. And it's such a, you know, if there's anything that we enjoy about this episode is that camaraderie. And it's, it's seeing all these people um, come together and, and it's all there in that one shot. You know, it's a great shot. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't help but think that this... Um this episode was based a little bit on the original Ocean Twelve movies with Sinatra. They have you know the kind of the similar scenes with the 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 pack you know walking up Sinatra, Dean, and all those guys. So um, yeah, it has that feel. I mean, and obviously the George Clooney Twelves were made later on, but you know, you still I still kind of I get I get into that Ocean's Twelve feel when I watch these or Ocean's Eleven or whatever, whatever whichever one is. Ocean's Twelve. That's why I got a that movie was terrible. Anyway, thirteen. <laughs> Ocean's Eleven. My bad. Yes, yes. Uh, I wanted to tell one of my personal stories um, <laughs> that I know. Well, actually, none none of our listeners have ever written me to say, "Would you please stop telling those personal stories?" So, I'm <laughs> <laughs> at it, Brian. We'd love to listen to them, me, folks. I'm going to tell another one. Uh, um, so, Caesar and I worked at a video store together in college. Right, that was in Texas. Um, after college, Caesar went to Chicago. I went to L.A. Uh, and I continued, I stayed with the video store for a year or two after I moved to LA while I got, you know, until I had enough production jobs uh, to be able to quit the video store job. Anyway, so I've told stories about how the customers that would come in there. Well, Chip Mayer, the actor who played the security guard in this episode, the guy that says, um, actually, I did play a little football, that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassidy uh, has to distract with her made a story with O'Brien. Um, Chip used to come in my video store all the time and he would bring in his three daughters and they were, they were young, you know, and, uh, he would rent kids movies and things and he rented a lot of movies. And this is back when you had to go to a store and rent it. Uh, what? And, you know, and if you <laughs> back late, yeah, that, that same video store, it's a, it's a paint shop now or something. Um, if you brought the videos back late, you had to pay a, late fee and i'm doing those dr evil quotes right there a late fee <laughs> and every time i would every time every time i checked out chip he would have oh, by the way um he probably got recognized for stuff like you know uh, he he was one of the he, he was the um <laughs> one he was of a the, B actor, a, a C one, actor. He was one of the uncool cousins or whatever on Dukes of Hazard that season that the main guys were out <laughs> he was one of those guys. Yeah. He he did stuff, you know. He was in Simon and Simon, whatever. But he was in Star Trek, so I'm the Star Trek guy. And I, even if you only had a couple of lines, I recognize you from Star Trek. And I would talk about Star Trek every time I saw him. After a while, he probably got sick of it. I don't even think he was acting much at that point because he, he was doing a lot of construction work. Anyway, the point is, I knew him for Star Trek. I always wanted to talk about Star Trek when he was in there. <laughs> every time I would check him out, he would have twenty dollars. $30, 50-some-odd dollars in late fees every time. Uh, and Adam, you may remember this, but at the video store, basically you could just type in your code, <laughs> your 
copy code, and then you could credit somebody for any dollar amount you wanted. So every single time I checked him out, I would credit every penny of his late fees, no matter how much it was. And then I would, you had to comment on the system, in the system, anytime you did a credit. And every time I would write ST discount. <laughs> and we wonder why Blockbuster is going under. <laughs> yeah, so it's ST discounts. Every time we would get audited, I just assumed they would look at me and they would see that I've credited this guy four or five, $600 a quarter, whatever it was. And I just kept waiting for somebody to ask me, what's ST discount? I was like... <laughs> was the whole point and nobody asked it was terrible i was just i won't mm-hmm. you know I, I think daniel would have noticed if um the uh the texas manager right there yeah our, our texas manager if daniel listens he's a great guy but yeah he so i don't know nah he cared too much about the company making money any <laughs> um unfortunately there's, there's a bit of a sad coder to this story when i was i was looking up chip in researching this episode, and I found that he he died last year in 2011. He was only uh, 57 years old, so kind of sad. Hmm. Well, this episode's to him. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a nutty world because um, Mark Lawrence, Mr. Zemo, he he was like 95 when he died. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so Chip was a, a really nice guy. Um, Another thing I wanted to mention in this episode, because we don't talk about music very often, and I think that's mostly because, uh, maybe not the original series, but uh, Next Gen, DS9, uh, Voyager, and to some extent Enterprise, you know, <laughs> the pictures mandated that they not really have like noticeable themes, or you couldn't really, even the movies they do, it's, very, it's done very differently. Um, but in, in on the TV series, this era, they really didn't, they almost didn't want you to hear the music. Mm-hmm. When it's good, we kind of don't hear it, and so we don't talk about it very much. But you know, in this episode, it's, they did something different, so I, I did notice, and I and we should we should talk about music more. But we're going to talk about it right now, and that is to say, I love the way all the jazz stuff they do in this episode, the like big band. And there's even a couple of moments where it's like the DS9 theme, kind of, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's noticeable that it's the DS9 theme starts up inside the the big band pieces. So that's really cool. Uh, well, music I, and it ends with that duet between Vic and and Benjamin. Well, this season's been very musical. I mean, there's been a lot of musical number, obviously, because of Vic being in there. And I think we've you know we've talked about it. There was you know I think my favorite music piece in all of Star Trek was just a couple episodes ago with the um, engineered mm-hmm. enhanced you know that whole scene where they were rifting and everything. It was great. Um, so I think they 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 did they get a lot they got a lot more creative with their music in this season. I said I think except for maybe the visitor. Um, which I really love the music in that episode. I mean, it's kind of, it's all kind of the same. It's episodic television. So uh, you're right. They don't want you really to notice it. I mean, I think today it's, it's more prevalent, different types of music and stuff like that. But back then, not so much. Um, what about the Cisco mm-hmm. set? I was thinking about that Cisco being upset about, you know, not wanting to participate in early 60s Vegas because blacks didn't have equal uh, rights there. Um, and and I, I like that they do that because I think it's important to remind us that maybe the good old days weren't so good. I think mm-hmm. that the common misconception. Um, although someday if I say that to my son, you know, I had it so, it was so much better when I was, well, then it'd be true. But <laughs> I, I do think that it's important to, you know, remember that, um, it wasn't perfect then. Um, but 
bugs I, I figured out what bugs me about it it's because by the end of the episode he's doing that wonderful duet he has to come so far that mm-hmm. i almost maybe he was too angry about it because i didn't believe that he could come as far as he had to because he started off so angry so far away yeah. so maybe he just hadn't been quite as upset about it um, but that's a minor comment I, I like that they take the time to kind of well, I, I I think he was initially as mad about it because you know he has personal experience with that time period playing you know being Benny, Benny oh. Hill, not Benny Hill. Yeah, Benny saying. Hill. I mean a different Benny Russell. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been a much different, yeah. <laughs> much different experience. But yeah, he has a personal experience with that time era and you know the the segregation and the racism. So I think it wasn't um, quite off yeah. the wall for me. But I, I mean, it's other episode that I missed. <laughs> <laughs> Season zero episode. <laughs> His dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, he's holding it up and he's saying, um, <laughs> "What's he saying? Say the words." <laughs> mm-hmm. Are are you our UK listeners will enjoy that? Uh, no, I'm sure we're showing our age. I don't think anybody knows who. Benny is. <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, what's this episode about? Well, at least for me, um, I really enjoy. I enjoyed this episode. I don't think it was like, uh, you know, I'm just going to go down as like you know top ten. But it was really nice to see at least ninety five percent of the the cast come together. Worf and Quark aren't too involved in this episode, but everybody else is involved. You don't get to see it quite as much in DS Nine as say um, uh, <laughs> Next Gen or Voyager, where you know they're they're on a ship, so they're kind of stuck together on the bridge here. And it was nice to see them come together, um, especially all the different plot points that we're going to be discussing later on with the last episodes. So it was kind of like a nice calm before the storm, you know, a feel good moment. And that's kind of how it felt for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. It, basically it's the notion of, um, it's not always the uh, end destination that's important. It's how you got there. And in this case, with when you have people coming together, friends, compatriots, in a cause, it's it's the it's the relationship that matters, the experience that matters. Yeah, you know, if if I imagine this being like the first Star Trek episode you've ever seen, I don't know how much sense it would make, or mm-hmm. uh, it seems it wouldn't seem nice, right? It wouldn't seem so good. Yeah. Uh, but after seven years with these characters, that they take the time to just have this fun little romp with them, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with their not being, you know, crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I kind of like it. It allows me. It allows me to just kind of sit back and enjoy this episode. And they, uh, they definitely prepare you with the end song. The best is yet to come. Oh yeah, talking about. <laughs> them. Um, but we we've talked on the show before about how. Uh, Occasionally, it doesn't have to be about something so clear. You know, it can just be kind of a fun thing. And uh, this is kind of some, somewhere in the middle because they're not really trying to make it about anything, I don't think. Um, but in just celebrating this family, um, which after seven years, spending 46 minutes doing that feels kind of good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, it's a worthwhile trip for one episode, especially for production-wise, what was the last episode before they went into the, you know, big final uh, story arc. So, I, I enjoy watching this episode. I really do. And, you know, if they had found another opportunity before the season was over to have Ezri in a cocktail dress, I would have been <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you, you like two of her costumes tonight. 
I did. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> well, you know, it's just the, you know, they established that the counselor uniform can be something different from next gen. It seems like in this one, they, they like, um, I guess Esri's finer characteristics are our legs, where in next gen, we know what the finer characteristics <laughs> of Deanna Troy were. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll just leave it at that. Use your imagination. Um, um, <laughs> hey, Vic, Vic looks good in a suit. There you go. I'm trying to give something to the... Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Okay. Six degrees for bada-bing, bada-bang. Uh, Steve, what is our score? Four to one? one? I believe so, yes. Mark Lawrence plays Mr. Zemo, the elderly mob leader that doesn't like to be kept waiting, especially for his money. In Next Gen's third season, he played Volnoth in the episode The Vengeance Factor. Uh, the Enterprise is trying to stop raids by a group called the Gatherers when uh, Volnoth, a member of the Lornak clan, is murdered. How is he murdered? Mm-hmm. I vaguely remember this. Um... I, Are you sure you don't know this one? I, it's not ringing a bell. Um, he was knifed. I don't know. Mine's bigger Caesar? than yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, I figured, was he infected? Yes, he was infected with a virus okay. that could only members of the Lornat clan. Okay, so that's four. Yeah, Adam, if you get this one right, It'll be such a small difference between you guys that. No. <laughs> Steve, yeah, this is a very difficult question. Name the credit that the host of this podcast gave to Chip Mayer when he had late fees at the video store. Oh no! Uh, was it the ST discount? That is correct. It was the ST discount, four to three. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Folks. Um, Next month, Saturday the 15th of September, uh, Trekmate, a, an excellent uh, Star Trek podcast, is going to be doing a 24-hour Star Trek podathon uh, for charity. Um, there are going to be a bunch of great Star Trek podcasts joining them for various hours, and we're going to be joining them, I believe, uh, I believe it... The 15th, right? Yeah, Saturday the 15th. I believe we're joining them for an hour at... U.S. time, uh, 6 Pacific, 9 in the East, if I'm not mistaken. We'll, and 8 where yes, we get Stephen and I are. Hmm? And 8 where Stephen and I are. Mm-hmm. Central. Uh, you can find out more information and see who else they got on there. It's uh, trekmate.org.uk. And then there's a, a link for the 24-hour potathon on there. Uh, we highly recommend everybody check it out and... Uh, like I said, there's a couple of great charities you can donate to. Um, so we're looking forward to that. We'll talk more about that as we get closer, but just kind of wanted to give everybody a heads up. Um, and I'm excited to finish out DS9. I'm really excited to get started on, on Next Gen. So it's a bit a bit bittersweet, of course, anytime you finish a Star Trek series. Uh, but uh, this was the last episode we're going to have, the pod, last podcast we're going to do that are all standalone episodes. So we're going to see everybody in a couple of weeks when we get going on the um, finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. Become our, like us on uh, Facebook. I was going to say 
become our Facebook friend, but that's like a MySpace thing, isn't it? Like us on uh, Facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Uh, send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com, or leave us a review on iTunes. That's the greatest thing. I love that. So, time. Take it easy. Good night, guys. See you.